Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org, or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. In the days of the Old Testament priest Eli, the priesthood among God's people Israel was waning and had become stale. The situation was deteriorating, and yet God desired to move on the earth even to change the age. But rather than doing something miraculous from the heavens, God did what he has always done when he desires to further his purpose and move on the earth. He found persons that would cooperate with him, that would be one with him. In this instance, he found a weak and frail, suffering sister among his people named Hannah. Her cooperation was to pray a prayer that matched God's need and God's desire. And from this prayer came a son Samuel, whom the Lord used not only to turn that age, but ultimately to bring in David and help bring forth Christ. In God's move, he always limits himself to work in cooperation with man. Ron Kangas has joined us again. Glad to have you, Ron. I'm glad to be here to participate in what I can only call an exhilarating and inspiring and enlightening fellowship based upon 1 Samuel, the account of Hannah's prayer, also based upon the opening of the word through our brother's ministry. It's wonderful, marvelous to see what can rightly be called the principle of incarnation here. God becoming one with man and living in, through, and with man and working and moving through man, in oneness with man. In a moderate way, but in a very real way, I'm excited at the prospect of entering into and enjoying this portion of the Word. Thank the Lord for showing us the principle of incarnation and the need for human cooperation with the move of God in history to carry out His eternal economy. This is really, as you said, a marvelous portion. But this question of man's responsibility, what role does our part play in God accomplishing his work? Of course, we have nothing to do, in a sense, with our salvation. And in carrying out God's economy, it's easy for us in the Calvinist tradition to say that our efforts and our work mean nothing. But in a very real sense, what we're seeing today, as you pointed out, in the whole principle of incarnation, God has limited himself in some measure in carrying out his work and will, hasn't he, to man's cooperation. This is absolutely in accord with the divine revelation in Scripture. Of course, when it comes to our salvation, to our justification, to our regeneration based upon justification, our works of the flesh mean nothing. We cannot contribute anything 
to redemption, to our eternal salvation. This is absolutely a matter of God's grace. But now that we have been born of him, justified by faith in him, we need to join with him in spirit, to be one with him, to carry out his economy. Paul even mentions in some of his writings more than once that we are God's fellow workers. We're working together with God. Well, working is working. It's not God working, and then we are passive. Then we become an impediment to him, rather at his initiative and in harmony and oneness with him, especially by prayer and the ministry of the word, we are working together with him in the principle of incarnation, cooperating with him, being energized and empowered by the grace of God, which is the resurrected Christ as the life-giving spirit. I say again, it is thrilling, it is inspiring, it is exhilarating to touch this dimension of our Christian life and service. It brings us out of passivity. It brings us out of self-absorption. It delivers us from a narrow preoccupation with those few things that concern us. And it brings us into a realization that we are here to carry out God's eternal purpose as members of the body of Christ under the headship of Christ in oneness with the triune God. All of that and more we see exemplified in 1 Samuel chapter 1 with Hannah's prayer and with Hannah's service to the Lord. Once the boy child was given, she realized the son was given to her, not mainly for her as a woman. The son was given to her for God and for God's economy. I hope that many of our listeners will have a heart to care about these things, and an open ear to hear what the Spirit is saying through the Word concerning them. All right, let's look at this woman, Hannah, her husband, Elkanah. And if you have not been with us in First Samuel, I'll just tell you quickly the background. This couple had been married, but the Lord had sealed up Hannah's womb, and she bore no fruit. And this plagued her and distressed her and troubled her greatly. And she comes to the point eventually where she utters this prayer to the Lord in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. And she was bitter in soul and prayed to Jehovah and wept much. And she made a vow and said, Jehovah of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your female servant and remember me and not forget your female servant, but give to your female servant a male child, then I will give him to Jehovah for all the days of his life. And it was this prayer that the Lord was pleased, delighted to honor and answer. And the result, of course, was this boy, Samuel. All right, let's join Witness Lee with uh, that fellowship, and we'll be back for a few minutes of comment, Ron. God motivated Hannah, a person who was so much one with God in the line of life. As long as he could get such person, he has a way. He has a way out on this earth. Be today's Hannah. You just say, Lord, I'm here. If you have anything on your heart to accomplish your purpose, I'm here. Then God will come to you. You will have no peace. On the one hand, we say, if you touch God, you have peace. 
but experience that quite often the more I touch God, the more I don't have peace. This was why I came to U.S. since two years ago. But I tell you a story, in 1938, I received a letter from a saint saying, Brother Lee, here are two checks. One check is of 1,600 U.S. dollars. Another check is of 1,200 Chinese dollars. The U.S. dollar check is for your trip to the U.S. And the Chinese dollar check is for you and your family's living for one year. Because I studied in the U.S., I graduated from the U.S., the writer says, I knew the situation there. I felt you should go to the U.S. to preach the truths we have heard of you. Please do it. Then I answered, I don't have any bird to go to U.S. So what should I do with your two checks? He said, you keep them in your hand. Sooner or later, the law will send you to America. <laughs> I'm here. Send him for his mercy. Amen. He visited me. I was motivated by him. God needs many Hannahs. The Hannahs who are the persons who bring forth some Samuels to turn date. Ron, we don't often get those kind of uh, personal stories that open up a window into uh, Witness Lee's situation, but this one's very appropriate. He received these checks and this letter from a saint who had been obviously uh, in some fellowship, probably prayer before the Lord and was led to give this offering and to express their feeling to Witness Lee. And yet at the time, no registration, but ultimately something, someone motivated him and the move that resulted was really the Lord's move, wasn't it? It truly was the Lord's move. You see cooperation in two aspects here and you see one particular dimension of our inner experience with respect to cooperation. Obviously, the dear saint, the believer, who wrote the letter and gave the checks, was one with the Lord. For sure, that came out of prayer. And the Lord was moving, according to the principle of incarnation, through that person sending the letter and giving the checks. Then with Brother Lee, you see the honesty in his fellowship, his purity regarding the gift it was designated for a certain purpose. He had no burden at that time to go to the U.S. and wondering what to do. And then the giver responded, as we just heard. Many years later, even more than 20 years later, our brother Lee came to this country. And that was surely in the Lord's move. That was the moving of God with man. So we see the cooperation both with the giver, the sender, and with the recipient. But I appreciate what seems to be a small point, but is actually significant in experience. Brother Lee said, Christians talk about peace, and of course, the Bible speaks about the God of peace and being at peace with the Lord. We're not ignoring that. But in experience, if we're one with him, we don't have the peace of passivity, the peace of just going our own way because God is moving. He's operating. Mm -hmm. And 
that breaks into our kind of psychological tranquility, our being at ease, so to speak, in Zion. And then inwardly, I wouldn't say we're agitated, but we're motivated. And that initially does not give us peace. That disturbs us. That, in a good sense, provokes us. It incites us. Then when we go along with it, then we will really have deep peace. So what seems to be the relating of an anecdote, we see the embodiment of the principle of God's move in man, through man, with man, according to the principle of incarnation. If more of God's people today would have the aspiration to be one with the Lord and pray to him, Lord, whatever is in your heart, I care about that. I am here to be one with you, to cooperate with you, to carry that out. If more of the Lord's people prayed this way, more would lose their kind of peace, and the Lord would have a way to move. We rightly and joyfully sing the first stanza of that gospel hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Forty years ago or so, I heard of a well-known preacher refer to that and give another take on it. And his word was blessed disturbance. I am his. (laughs) We have the blessed assurance that he's ours, living in us as our Savior. But I believe it's time for more blessed disturbance, as this wonderful one disturbs our kind of rest and motivates us to cooperate with him and does not give us his kind of rest until we agree with him, obey him, become one with him, cooperate with him, and let him move freely according to the principle of incarnation. So I hope, on the one hand, that our listeners have peace from the assurance of their salvation, and I frankly hope and hereby frankly declare that I wish that many will experience the kind of blessed disturbance that comes when God really moves in their lives and breaks through their human peace and rest and does not give them rest until he can carry out his intention in them, through them, and with them. You know, when we read these verses about Hannah, this is one that was one with the Lord for sure, and yet we don't see the account of a person who is, quote, at peace. She was disturbed and her husband had come and tried to comfort her with some comforting words of solace. Will you have me? I'm, aren't I better than ten sons? But within her was this blessed disturbance. She would not rest till she prayed this prayer, until Jehovah answered this prayer. And it turned out to be the prayer that matched the Lord's needs. I think your word was right, spot on, as they say. Amen. Amen. All right, Ron. We're going to jump to uh, the last section of this uh, life study because at the end of Hannah's prayer, I left out this phrase for a purpose when I read it at the beginning of the program. Let's come back to verse 11. She says, I will give him to Jehovah for all the days of his life and no razor will come upon his head. A clear reference back to Numbers chapter 6 where we see this matter of the vow of the Nazarite. So in her heart, she was proclaiming this vow on behalf of her and this son not yet come. And if we look in chapter 6 of Numbers, we see the Nazarite vow. When a man or woman makes a special vow, a vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to Jehovah, 
he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall pass over his head. He shall be holy until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to Jehovah. He shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow long. And surely Samuel was a Nazarite. And today the Lord is still looking for such in this very critical hour. Let's go back to Witness Lee. After this prayer, such a prayer, echoing God's heart, it's easy for God to do something because man's cooperation becomes a base on which God can move. This is the principle of incarnation. God wanted to save people, but there was the need of a man. So what? So the time God came to be such a man, then there is the start of a cooperation between God and man, between man and God. The moving God with his answer to the prayer of Samuel's mother. According to God's desire and intention for his move among his elect. This is in keeping the principle that God needs man's cooperation with his move in his economy. This is to produce a Nazarite. What is a Nazarite? A Nazarite is one who keeps the long hair, indicating that he is one all the time subjecting himself under God's headship. This is why Samuel's mother Hannah prayed, Lord, if you give me a boy, no razor could come upon his head. No human hand could come to touch the headship, the authority of God over him. Number one. Number two, in Nazareth would never drink. To drink means to enjoy the worldly pleasures. Nazareth don't drink wine. Don't take the pleasures of the world. He's the one who submit himself to God, taking God as head, and has no interest in the enjoyment of any worldly pleasure. This is a Nazarite. Samuel was born to be such a one. Even before he was born, he was consecrated by his mother to be such a one. Samuel brought in a new age. He changed the age. Ron, let's talk about this um, Nazarite vow and what it is to be a Nazarite. Is this just an Old Testament manifestation for at that time and age and what God was doing then? Or is this something with a much more broad and universal application? To answer that, we have to distinguish between the physical, literal, outward practice of being a Nazarite and the spiritual principle. No, today we do not need to be Nazarites in the sense of never going to the barber shop, of letting our hair grow long, of not drinking any grape juice, things like this. We're not in that physical realm, the literal realm. 
what we have in Numbers 6 and what we have in the case of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we have principles that God needed a certain kind of person wholly devoted to him, sanctified to him, someone under his headship, someone who enjoyed him and therefore did not enjoy the pleasures of the world. Through that kind of person, the Lord can act marvelously to change the age. Look, the age of the kings in the Old Testament was brought in by a Nazarite, Samuel. The New Testament age was brought in by another Nazarite, John the Baptist. In principle, the Lord was a Nazarite. Peter and Paul were Nazarites. Actually, anyone who wants to be one with the Lord for his move will, in principle, be a Nazarite. This does not make us an elite among the Christians as a kind of separate group. It's just that the Lord's grace and mercy visit us. We mean business with the Lord. We give ourselves to the Lord in consecration. Our desire is to be one with him, to be under his authority, to take him as our unique enjoyment, and to fulfill the spiritual significance of all the other aspects of a Nazarite indicated by the types. Then the Lord has someone through whom he can work. Mm. Actually, the goal of the life study is not merely to open the word so we can touch life. The goal of the life study of the Bible is to open the word in truth and to minister the life in the word so that the truth and the life, both of which are Christ himself, will operate in us dynamically and motivate us to be one with the Lord, to be freshly consecrated to the Lord, so that he will have a human vessel to cooperate with him. This is the particular burden in this particular message and this program. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is calling to us. He is indicating his need for Nazarites in principle to cooperate with him according to the principle of incarnation so that he may come back and establish his kingdom manifestly on the earth. Hannah cooperated with the Lord. The son given to her by the Lord for the Lord was a Nazarite, and then when he became of age, he lived out that life of a Nazarite fully cooperating with the Lord. Eventually, we may see he represented the Lord to such an extent that he was the acting God, God living, acting, and moving through a human being who is one with him. I hope that a good number of our listeners will be inspired by this, will be motivated by this, but not to attain a higher spirituality for themselves but we'll see the connection between being one with the Lord and being a Nazarite in the Lord with the carrying out of God's purpose. What are we here for? Just for our profit? To be enriched, even literally and physically as some teach? We are here on the earth to carry out God's eternal purpose according to the principle of incarnation, cooperating with him as today's spiritual Nazarites. There, in the proverbial nutshell, is the essence of the burden 
in this program today. May the Lord have a way in many of his people to gain the cooperation he needs. Well, there's a lot I wish I had time to say. You touched something uh, in me, I'm sure in many of our listeners, but time just does not allow. Lord willing, we'll have a chance to come back to some of this same kind of fellowship, Ron, before we're through with the life study of Samuel. Appreciate your being with us today. Thank you, and thank the Lord for the privilege and the opportunity to fellowship on this marvelous matter. Really is. Okay, as you mentioned early on, Ron, the printed life study volume for Samuel, it's a one volume that contains both first and second Samuel, is available if you'll call us toll free at one eight 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 Life Study. Again, that's one eight 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 five four three three seven eight eight. Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.